0: To the Holiday Moons Podcast Where we share our love for the holidays with you year round
1: This is Randy and I will be talking about Holiday
2: traditions this week with Trick or Treating This is Cole and I'm going to be talking about 1931's Dracula
3: And this is Sydney and I will be continuing My Fall Flavors series with Cinnamon
1: Very fun, we are deep in the throes of fall here in Northern Virginia, yay! Our favorite season. Have we, as, in case we haven't mentioned that before, feature <laughs> new to us, <laughs> right? So we're super happy to have cooler weather and to have all the fall activities and colors and decor all around us. And now switching into Halloween as well. So very fun. Yes. So what holiday happenings do we have for the week?
0: Last week we were talking about a line of oak trees we have in the back of our property. Well, toward the back of our property. And Randy had said he thought they were pin oaks. And I thought, well, that's interesting because I always think of pin oaks as having small leaves, but these are, you know, huge trees. So I guess it's proportionate to the tree, the leaf size. So I went back and I was just, <laughs> I went back with a bunch of pictures of different kinds of oak tree like leaves. Like bird watching,
2: but leaf watching. <laughs> exactly.
0: I got gathered some up. I took a bunch of pictures and compared them. And we, interestingly, they didn't, It's like a row, but they didn't plant all the same kind. So we have back there white oak, red oak, black oak, and we have northern pin, which is a little different than regular pin. And I even found a chestnut oak, but it wasn't in the line. But it it was a little off. So we have all kinds of different kinds of oak, and I think there was a bur oak back there too. So, it was just interesting to me how many different, in fact, I got two bug bites from that little expedition, so <laughs> that wasn't, that was not the fun part, but it was very interesting because we've lived here for, what, 18 years?
4: hmm
1: 18
0: yeah. years? And I've never actually gone back and, you know, looked at the leaves, which is just crazy to me.
1: Right. Uh, there have so many different kinds.
0: Yeah. And that we never thought, hey, let's go look and see what kinds are back there.
1: hmm
2: Right, we were always just like, they're big trees. Yeah,
1: they're
0: big oak trees. They're big big oak oak trees, yeah. Because
2: there's thousands
1: of acorns all over the ground. Oh
0: my goodness, everywhere. And they're not all the same, Mm. because different different oak trees have different kinds of acorns.
2: That's That's right. Fun. Yeah. Well, in the spirit of Halloween, because I can now officially say it's Halloween season. Yes, it is. I was saying that last month, but... Not everyone was on board.
0: <laughs> I wasn't on board. Mom wasn't on board. Mom no.
2: wasn't on board. Yesterday afternoon into late into the evening, I spent a good bit of time engrossed in Halloweenness. <laughs> but not gross halloween Not gross Halloweenness. ness <laughs> Engrossed. Well, I mean, kind of gross halloween How so? So,
1: <laughs>
2: um, I found out a couple of weeks ago that my girlfriend had never carved a pumpkin before Which like is a jack o lantern <laughs> yeah for us that is just yeah. Yeah, and I she's gonna... she's like a, a little older than i am so it's not she's like she's older than I. Yeah, yeah yeah so exactly. it's not like she's young and never right. and she had a nice childhood and family and they like <laughs> did things it wasn't like it was a depressing <laughs> Right, situation no, no holidays kind of yeah. situation but i was like well we have to obviously change that
0: yeah, right,
2: right. So I went out and got us a couple of pumpkins, a big kind of tablecloth so that we could do it on the floor. I did like a dark blue one so it would look good again for pumpkins for, you know, pictures.
0: Because you were raised correctly. Because <laughs> I was raised correctly. <laughs> uh,
2: and then I also Always went to Target op. and Walmart, and I bought a bunch of decorations for the house as well. On my little walkway up to the front of my house, I bought a... What it looks like is... Two skeleton hands sticking out of the turf with thumbs up. (laughs) That was so funny. And two legs sticking (laughs) out. So it looks like he's just kind of...
0: Like a skeleton Right, a
2: skeleton is arms and legs sticking up out of the the ground. That was cute. And then I also bought a set of like three little tombstones to kind of make a little graveyard. They were really cheap, so I was like, I'll pick up a few of these. also picked up some pumpkin lights to string over the top of... Kind of a set of windows that I have,
0: and Dad was very proud, by the way. Yes, bought some uh, bought some
2: net lights. Haven't put them over my bushes yet, but Again. excited to do that. I'll have to buy a timer like you do to kind of set that up so that it's. Uh-huh. I don't have to manually go out right. and do that every every, every day. night. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right. What did your girlfriend think of pumpkin carving? Oh, it was a fun time. Yeah, she I ended up carving a kind of regular pumpkin. But classic. with a classic pumpkin, I'm um, kind of with a jagged mouth, but also with, like, a little, like, arched eyebrow, too. Like, a little... <laughs> and a little personality. Cynical. Yeah, he's got a little personality. She carved a uh, cat face into a pumpkin. Which I yeah.
0: thought was so cute. It was cute, yeah. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And we both degunked the pumpkins together. Yeah, that's kind of And de-seeded them. So that was the gross part that I mentioned earlier. Right. But I put the pumpkin seeds into... The oven and cooked them. I actually cooked them with salt and a gourmet pepper that I got from Disney World. Was it good? Yeah, so they yeah. were really good. So then we had our little bowl of pumpkin seeds. And she's not a scary movie fan. I am a scary movie fan. But we went into the uh, the living room and turned off all of the lights and put on Halloween. The what movie. What did she think? Halloween is like like a landmark kind of film. Like a kind of one of the Classic Halloween, like, slashers. I forgot that they didn't really have a budget for (laughs) Halloween. So it's about an hour of padding and, like, four slasher deaths that were not the best.
0: All right, so not too bad. So not too bad.
2: It didn't scare her at all. Good. Like, at one point, he, like, stabbed a guy with a knife, and the guy was, like, suspended with, like, the world's strongest kitchen knife. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah that um, kind of <laughs> yeah yeah so good. it was a lot of it i enjoyed it because a lot of it is ambiance and i'm a huge fan of the horror genre so right. it's it's nice to see sort of a landmark film of that genre yeah um
0: but for her since she doesn't like it it's kind of nice for her too because she didn't have right, to be really scared because it, it was
2: it. A, it was pretty pretty slow yeah, i forgot cheesy. No, not, not cheesy, Okay. Um, because it had some unsettling moments, mm. but it's 90 minutes. The first 60 minutes are essentially him following her around.
0: Oh, okay. That's kind of so, creepy, yeah.
2: yeah. It gets a little gimmicky at some point, because, like, you see him in the background, you see from his point of view, but then at one point you see her looking forward. She's walking down the sidewalk, and there's, like, a hedge there. And he's just like standing, peeking out from behind the hedge. (laughs) Then he like peeks back behind the hedge. Yeah.
3: And on the flip side of that, when we do pumpkin seeds, we usually watch
0: The Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. I know. When Cole said, Oh, my girlfriend and I are gonna carve pumpkins, she's never carved pumpkins. First of all, Randy and Cindy and I had a whole discussion about that. Oh my goodness, how can somebody live life without ever carving a pumpkin? Right,
2: right. you had that. Oh, that's so funny. happy. That's that funny she when was you said to... um, that you guys had a discussion. I thought the discussion was going to be, is it okay that Cole's carving a pumpkin without the <laughs> family? <laughs> no,
0: but we have pictures of the kids when they were, I mean, so tiny, 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 yeah. carving pumpkins. So this is all, all. This is an annual thing for us. But afterward, we always watch The Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. It's The Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. So when Cole said, we're going to carve pumpkins
2: and, and then roast watch. pumpkin seeds. And yeah. roast
0: pumpkin seeds and then watch. Nothing prepared me for Halloween. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. I was like, what? This? No, no, no. You watched The Great Pumpkin Charlie you Brown. You were breaking like, tradition, Cole. I know. I it's like, not no,
3: my it's not tradition. tradition. <laughs> it
2: is your tradition. My tradition, tradition is scary movies.
0: But it's. it's Next
2: time, I clearly have to up the scare factor. I will have to go to something like Poltergeist or The Exorcist.
0: Ugh. Okay. Let's just move on. I'm not (laughs) a fan of the horror genre.
1: So, uh, other holiday happenings for the week. I know we've seen plans by a number of Mm -hmm. major department stores, Target, Walmart, Amazon, online, uh, for what they're going to be doing for Black Friday this year, where they're actually spreading the events out
2: from October through November. Yeah, and speaking of Target and Walmart... Still Halloween related, but I recently took one of the cats who was kind of my cat.
0: She was definitely your cat.
2: Yeah, she was definitely my <laughs> cat and was able to bring her to my house because I had a roommate who was allergic. He Previously, ended up, yeah. Yeah, he ended up leaving. I got a different roommate who was not allergic and who loves cats, so I was able to bring her over, thriving as an only cat.
0: Oh my goodness, she's so happy.
2: But the fun thing was that Target had a... Small cat scratching castle and a large cat scratching castle, um, which is all decked out in Halloween-ness. Yeah. So apparently, all of us were looking at the, yeah. the same thing, because <laughs> yeah. I ended up buying it for her, and we got some really cute pictures of, she's a little black cat, yeah. so she a looks A
0: furry little black cat. A fuzzy yeah.
2: little black cat, so yeah. she looks great, Yeah. very spooky as she's scratching onto that, but apparently you guys were going back and forth and yeah, we were. deciding whether you should get it for her.
0: Yeah, Yeah, she's just such a cute thing. She does. She loves being an only cat.
1: We also had the opportunity last night to see the harvest moon on our way home. That was crazy. A low moon in the horizon, and it was very orange. Oh my goodness! And it was very big.
0: It looked like something you would see on a cartoon. Yeah,
1: it was. It was so
0: orange. It was beautiful.
1: Very nice. And then we've redone our front porch, and we posted some pictures online for uh, the front porch where we put together um, some pumpkins. Oh my gosh, so decked out. It looks, to me, it looks very much like a Hallmark house. <laughs> like you would see, you know, hey, we're going to go visit our parents' house uh, for fall this no. year. And, you know, it's got the hay bales, it's got...
0: Decked, um, grated pumpkins going right. up. I'll,
2: I'm going to a barrel, half barrel. I'm going to say this, the only context in which it looks like a Hallmark house is if the plot is houses competing for the most, like... <laughs> Decked out house.
3: Well we're winning. We're winning. Yeah. We're clearly winning.
2: But it is so much more decked out than even a regular Hallmark house. It's fantastic. Yeah. I don't know. Some of this Hallmark probably for fall. Christmas right. they get decked out. Well, they get really decked out for Christmas,
1: but for, for fall Halloween and too. Halloween. Yeah.
0: Our house is is a glowing orange without out with the uh, all the lights and stuff. It's beautiful.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so that was very fun to put together. Yeah, and we usually use Pretty much exclusively orange lights. Yeah, Del there's way. a couple purples in there. Right, but that, those that's what orange. I was. I saw a lot of purple when I was at Target on Walmart yeah. looking through there. So I figure maybe I'll try to do some. I'll try to mix it up, do some purple and
4: yeah.
2: orange. Yeah, yeah, I think it looks nice together, purple and orange. Mm-hmm.
1: Sure. Last week I was talking about Halloween traditions, specifically with costumes. Last week and why we dress up in costumes and kind of what that tradition, where that came from. This week, I will be talking about trick-or-treating and all the fun things that come along with trick-or-treating. So trick-or-treating, which is you know setting off on Halloween night in costumes and ringing doorbells to uh, ask for treats, has been a tradition in the United States and other countries for more than a century. Its origins, though, remain murky and kind of um, just have bits of information that we can pull from to see where uh, some of these traditions came from. So as I talked about the last couple weeks... The pre-Christian Celtic Festival of Samhain was celebrated on the night of October 31st. Which is not spelled like Samhain. No, it's It's not. Samhain. Samhain Samhain. is how it's, yeah. So if
0: you see that, it's actually pronounced
1: Samhain. And this was celebrated in Ireland, United Kingdom, northern France, so a pretty big area. And they believed that the dead returned to earth on Samhain. And on the sacred night, people gathered to light bonfires and other sacrifices and pay homage to the dead. So during some of the Celtic celebrations of Samhain, villagers disguised themselves in costumes made from, not plastic masks and things like we have today, but from animal skins that would drive away phantom visitors. And banquet tables were prepared and food was left out to placate unwelcome spirits. And in later centuries, people began to dress as ghosts, demons, and other malevolent creatures, performing antics in exchange for food and drink. So this is kind of that... The early custom of getting something in this time of year, being dressed up and receiving something, it was known as mumming, and it dates back to the Middle Ages. That's thought to be kind of the loose origins of trick-or-treating.
0: Because then if you give them a treat, they, they won't do a trick. leave you trick. alone.
1: That's yeah. right. So by the ninth century, Christianity had spread into Celtic lands, uh, where it gradually blended with and supplanted older pagan rites. In 1000 AD, the church designated November 2nd as All Souls Day, a time for honoring the dead. And again, celebrations were had with bonfires and masquerades. Poor people would visit the houses of wealthier families and receive pastries called soul cakes in exchange for a promise to pray for the soul of the homeowner's dead relatives. Known as souling, S-O-U-L-I-N-G, the practice was later taken up by children who would go door... From door to door, asking for gifts such as food, money, or ale. Yes, I said ale. (laughs) (laughs) Because remember, remember, water wasn't clean back then, right? Yeah, and it was, you know, it wasn't like high concentrations of alcohol. Children knew how to have fun back then. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, in Scotland and Ireland, young people took part in, in a tradition called guising, dressing up in costumes and accepting offerings from various households. Rather than pledging to pray for the dead, they would sing a song, recite a poem. A joke or perform another sort of trick before collecting their treat, which typically consisted of fruits, nuts, or
2: coins. Imagine, yes. imagine in modern day if children came up and recited a poem for you. It
0: would take a really long time in well, the neighborhood. Yeah.
2: Give them the candy to go away. <laughs> right. <That's Primary>. The, <laughs> it's not trick or treat, it's a poem or treat. Well, and It's cringe kind of, or treat.
0: <laughs> so it's a loosely like a school talent show
2: a halloween <laughs> that visits your house yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> when our talent comes <laughs> yeah. so I can expect uh, a group of children to mumble sing something <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right so in the early
1: 20th century Irish, Scottish and other communities revived old world traditions and we talked about that over the last couple of podcasts that this the influx of immigrants into the United States brought a number of these type of traditions in this case souling and guising came to the United States and actually by the 1920s, pranks had become a Halloween activity of choice for rowdy young people. We talked about that last week. Communities in the United States actually tried to get rid of Halloween. That didn't work. But then they started to focus on Halloween on kids instead of on of adults vandalism. to get rid of the, the rowdiness. Yeah. So this tradition continued through the outbreak of World War II. But then sugar rationing meant that there would be very few treats to hand out. So at the height of the post-war baby boom, trick-or-treating reclaimed its place among other Halloween traditions. So it'll be interesting. We're gonna good. look at the the candies that by decade of what was going on during that time. It quickly became a standard practice for millions of children in American cities and newly built suburbs to participate in Halloween. No longer constrained by sugar rationing, candy companies capitalized on the lucrative rural business launching national advertising campaigns specifically aimed at halloween and today americans spend more than two and a half three billion dollars each year on candy just at halloween yeah wow yep
0: and kids don't have to perform <laughs> right but that happens
1: so the the term trick-or-treat actually dates back in written form back to 1927. so actually it actually isn't that old the earliest known reference to trick-or-treat that we found is printed in the November 4th, 1927 edition of the Blackie, Alberta, Canada, Herald. It says, Halloween provided an opportunity for real strenuous fun. No real damage was done, except for the temper of some who had to hunt for wagon wheels, gates, wagons, barrels, etc., much of which decorated the front street. The youthful tormentors were at the back door and front demanding edible plunder, by the words, trick or treat, to which the inmates gladly responded and sent the robbers away rejoicing.
4: Oh, that's funny. Yeah,
1: so you can see it already had a kind of a fun element, although uh, the trip part was also still in there. The undertone. Yeah. Of, <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. There yeah. is, there is a uh, unspoken, or rather spoken kind of little threat there. Yeah. Right?
0: I'm going to take your wagon wheel. That's not cool.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and that'd be like uh, taking someone's tire. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: The custom had been firmly established by the American pop culture by 1951 when trick-or-treating was depicted in the Peanuts comic strip. Uh,
0: I had heard that that revived it. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah, After the war.
1: And then in 1952, Disney produced a cartoon called Trick-or-Treat featuring Donald Duck and his nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, which, by the way, is now on Disney Plus, and I watched it this morning.
0: You watched it without us?
1: Yeah, it's literally a short. It was a very oh. short thing to watch. So maybe we can watch it later. So an important part of trick-or-treating is candy. The mat. Oh. <laughs> With yeah. The costumes. Dressing up. Everything. <laughs> so the candy business really changed um, over the years, especially to accommodate Halloween and the trends in candy for Halloween. So the first big trend was just pure chocolate and chocolate candy bars, and that was pushed primarily by Milton Hershey understandable yeah his big thing was uh, chocolate he first actually started in caramel but then he switched to chocolate and that's when he became much more successful and that was in the late 1800s early 1900s so the thing that really got the individual candy individually wrapped candy um, going was in the 1920s with the rise in popularity of the nut particularly the peanut mm. um, and that was actually the baby Ruth candy bar really yep in 1921 now, what is Baby Ruth uh, named for? Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth? No. See, that's the funny thing. Most people believe it was named for President Grover Cleveland's daughter,
2: Ruth. Oh.
3: That is very specific. <laughs> <It> is. <laughs>
2: that's what, if you said Baby Ruth, that's definitely what people would think of. Not one, oh, of, the f- most, yeah. one of the most famous baseball players of yeah. all time. Yeah. Other
1: candies released in the 1920s were Reese's Peanut Butter Cups.
0: (gasps) Still a favorite. Remember remember we
1: talked about the reason it tastes so good is because they actually burned the Mm -hmm. peanut butter when they made it. Yep. And the Snickers came out in the early 30s.
0: Again, still a favorite.
1: The early 30s also was innovative in the concept of the two-in-one sweets, meaning you have a candy wrapped in another candy. So you think of like caramel wrapped in chocolate. Like a Snickers like a bar. Okay. If those kind of things was created pop- and became popular in the 1930s, part of that popularity included the Tootsie Pop, right? Yes. How many Tootsie One side of a... That's right. How many looks does it take to get into the inside of a Tootsie Pop? A one, a
0: two, a, two, two, a three. A three. Crunch. Crunch. A three. The world may never know. <laughs>
1: that's right. M&Ms were specifically a wartime specialty. Really? Forrest Mars, Sr., the man who invented them, first encountered the concept of chocolate with heat-resistant candy coating in the United Kingdom, where soldiers from the Spanish Civil War were given small chocolate beads surrounded by hard sugar as part of their rations. So at the time, American chocolate Mm -hmm. sales declined in the summer months because of the heat. And Mars created the M&M, which not only supported the war, but also... Created a business for him year round.
0: Oh my goodness! And now there's everything in M and M's.
1: Yep. And by the time the war ended, World War II ended, the soldiers were hooked, and it <laughs> became this popular candy for, yeah. for them and their kids.
0: And
3: actually, the the popularity increase and in the commercials are also an interesting backstory as
4: well.
1: Just yeah. As a side note, in the 1950s, all the men and women coming back from their tours overseas for World War II. Um, They came home and were really interested in the nostalgic penny candy. So things like Tootsie Rolls, Fireballs, Lemonheads became very popular. By the 1960s, the United States burst into color and the candy went to basically match it. And the all sugar candy confections like candy necklaces, Peeps, Pixie Sticks, Starbursts, Sweet Tarts, Zots, all became very popular because they're appealing to the eyeball.
0: Nice and bright.
1: In the 1970s, things got kind of weird. So uh, things like pop okay, rocks—that that's, that's, that seems funny. Funny. <laughs> yeah. things like pop rocks that tingled your tongue became huge. Gobstoppers, which had been around for decades, uh, had a second-found life in the 1970s as they were branded everlasting Gobstoppers um, after Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, that's what makes mm-hmm. me think of that. Ring pops also became. Very popular and trendy, as bell-bottoms also became trendy.
0: <laughs> Which are not candy. <laughs> In the
1: 1980s, chewy candy became very popular. Skittles, Sour Patch Kids, Jelly Bellies. If you remember President Ronald Reagan, who was president through most of the 80s, had a real liking for jelly beans. He had 720 bags of jelly beans per month shipped to him.
0: Weren't they red To White the and Capitol.
1: Co? Yep. In the 1990s, Sour Power became extremely popular. Airheads, Warheads, Crybabies, just so many different sour flavors became the new frontier. And then in the 2000s, gummies became popular. Giant gummy bears. Companies even started experimenting with bacon and pickle and wasabi candy.
2: That's funny. I wonder, I don't think that a candy branded Warheads would have flown back in like the 60s. Yes,
1: and then in the 2010s, (laughs) What is old became new again. Classic flavors uh, became popular again, like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Kit Kat Bars, Hershey Bars. But they became tweaked a little bit to have different offerings, such as bat-shaped Reese's. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reese's Pieces became popular again. Uh, Reese's Fast Break, those sorts of things. According to a poll from Monmouth University, more than 36% of Americans
2: say this candy is their favorite Halloween treat. Can you guess it? Reese's. I, I think I remember this from last year. Is it Nerds?
3: I mean, guess something with Hershey's chocolate.
2: Well, this is
1: for all Americans. You are right, Nerds, for a certain age group, but for all Americans, it's Reese's peanut butter cups, thirty-six okay. percent. Yes, Beth. Yes, Beth. <laughs> Good job. It's more than twice the <laughs> I feel number. Like I got it, kind of right too. <laughs> it's more than twice the number who chose the number two, which is Snickers. M&Ms third. Hershey's chocolate bar tied with candy corn for fourth. Interesting. Yeah, Candy very, corn, very controversial. It is very controversial.
0: <laughs> the love-hate relationship.
1: Yes. And then bringing up the bottom of the
2: top eight, Skittles, Starburst, and Tootsie Pops. Ooh. So and a lot have- of fun things to look forward to on Trick of Treating. Yeah, it's funny because I remember always getting like a, like a little pack of Starbursts and yeah. like, it was always exciting to open it up because there were always like better starbursts and not so good starbursts <laughs> yeah, so you could pick and choose yeah i think the pink rest. ones were always the best yeah, i always like the pink ones too yeah, mm-hmm. um and it's funny i remember i was at a gas station and they just sell packs of the pink ones <laughs> That's, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's funny.
0: So, popular.
3: so i will say um just as note to people who during this 2020 coronavirus kind of era thinking back to my days in college learning about psychology and behavior. There have been studies where if you want to leave candy out for kids just to grab, if you don't want them to grab handfuls. And in that
1: case you mean you're leave it out take. and you're not gonna attend it. It's gonna be self monitored. Right.
3: Correct. There have been studies that show that if you put a mirror in a place like behind like a candy bowl or whatever so that the kids see themselves, they are less likely to take as much candy. So if you want to do a little psychological experiment, you know, feel free to try it out.
1: So put like a bowl, say take one or two, whatever you want to mm-hmm. say, take two mm-hmm. pieces of candy,
2: put a mirror there, and then it has to be big see. enough
0: that they can see themselves. Yeah. Right. I
2: guess, I guess you'd have
1: to see how long it
2: lasted somehow. Because yeah. we were uh, we were talking about this earlier and I was saying that because I was saying that I was doing a Halloween party yeah. on night. Halloween night, so mm-hmm. I don't want to like be out attending it. Yeah. Um, but you can make it fun. I was saying that you can have like a fake skeleton holding the mirror, yeah, and then write like "Only take one" in like spooky like red paint on the mirror. So you can do get a, paint or something. Get a cheap mirror, yeah, you know, for yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. take <laughs> as long as they can
3: easily see themselves.
2: Well, I was thinking
0: in it. even one of those long <laughs> like ones one. for yeah. dorms, right? Mm-hmm. Those really long yeah, ones for the dorm. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, yeah. so Doors. that's one. Idea. So you can make it kind of a fun yeah thing too. Mm-hmm.
0: The other thing I was thinking about with all the candy situation is that they came out with fun size and then minis and that made things a little easier to give out several pieces of candy because you're giving out minis now not two or three candy bars although there are neighborhoods that give out full-size candy bars in certain areas and they're the best i know they're like the popular they're legendary people know those places right yes yeah (laughs)
2: And I'm not sure that there's any Halloween costume or character more iconic than Dracula. I think Frankenstein's monster is a close second, but... We actually did costumes last week, you weren't here. Yeah. But oh. on the list, every year, the bottom part of the top
1: ten list is always the classic monsters. Yeah. Is it? Yes, and the top part seems to rotate. The top Ooh. part
2: seems... Yeah, I imagine yeah. probably with trends and exactly, that yeah. kind of Princesses thing. and things like well, that. And Princesses, Paw Patrol... What was it, know? the
3: Tiger King... Yes. uh oh, um, Carol...
2: Carol Baskin. Yes. Yes. Yep.
3: Popular costumes.
2: But that's fun that the top ten always has some of the classic yep. monsters on it. Mm-hmm. I imagine probably like Wolfman or Werewolf. Mummy, Mummy. Frankenstein. Frankenstein's yeah. monster. Dracula. Ghost. Clown. Um, and it, it was clown, yes. <laughs> now, it was cool to watch the old movie because this one is clearly trying. Okay. And I say that in comparison... To the later Universal Monster movies or Dracula movies where it gets a little more gimmicky. Uh, is not really trying to be scary. It's, they're just kind of having fun with it. Like mm-hmm. you've seen the old Universal Monster yes. movies, right? So it is a 1931 Universal film, uh, which is actually adopted from a 1924 stage play, which is in turn adopted from the 1897 novel written by Bram Stoker.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, it has a little Which history is interesting. There yep, and
2: starring uh, Bella Lugosi as Count Dracula. One of the most iconic Count Draculas. To me, Christopher Lee was Dracula because I watched those movies. Okay. But both iconic and brilliant performances there. But I did wonder why when I was watching this because it follows the basic kind of plot of the Dracula I've read the Dracula book. So, it, Follows the basic kind of plot, but it's missing kind of a few things in there. So I was like, was it just stylistic choices? So um, I have not seen the stage performance, but I wonder if that was a side effect of kind of those elements not working on stage. Right. So when it transferred to film. Hmm. They just went from stage. They just went from stage to film.
0: When you say you've read it, did you read Bram Stoker's? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, I read the
2: 1897 Bram Stoker's Dracula. The original manuscript. <laughs> the original manuscript. <laughs> Which oh. I have right here. Me, no, I'm kidding. Let me tell you what, if I had the original manuscript... <laughs> be pretty cool. I would not have to work because I could sell that, I'm sure, for <laughs> enough money to set me up for, for a long very long time, <laughs> Yeah. at least. But Dracula is the first sound film adaptation of a Stoker novel. And several actors were actually considered to portray Dracula, but Lugosi had played the role on Broadway... So he was a top choice to get the part. The film was partially shot on the iconic Universal Studios lots in California, which were reused at night for the filming of Dracula, a concurrently produced Spanish-language film oh. of the same story, also by Universal. Interesting. It's funny because a lot of very popular movies seem to have been like commercial bombs, and then we only learn to love them later. Yeah. Dracula was a commercial smash and critical success right upon its release. Wow. And led to many sequels and spin-offs which yes, have gotten uh, got a little sillier over time. <laughs> yes, yeah. they have. Yeah. Yes. Although, uh, also, I would say I some, some were scarier. Some, some were scarier, yeah. A little more intense. <laughs> um, it is clear that they are trying to go for a tone of... Not necessarily like straight up like scare in this movie, but very much a tone of kind of menace. Oh, okay. Like, Bela Ghost is supposed to be very menacing and charismatic as Dracula sort of reaches out his hand and being like, come. Right. Okay. To, very yeah. yeah. Very commanding. Very commanding. And almost like in a way that has a, you, transfixes you. Like, like a you mesmerizing got, kind of he's Right. A thing. mesmerizing of here. kind of. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Basic plot. Renfield, a solicitor, traveling to Count Dracula's castle in Transylvania on a business matter. Uh, the local people of the village fear that vampires inhabit the castle and warn Renfield not to go there. So he goes there. Of course. <laughs> of course, because the movie has to happen. Yeah. Now, is Scooby-Doo with him at the time? Or is that no, that, that comes <laughs> later. Okay. Renfield is driven to the castle by Dracula's coachman, who is Dracula disguised as the coachman. What?! Because Dracula just likes, he's a fun guy. He He just likes Trixie. He's a Trixie. He does
4: taxi
3: on the side.
2: (laughs) Just (laughs) to earn a few bucks. It's like uh, he's an Uber driver. (laughs) Right, right, right. right. It's just his weekend gig. Renfield enters the castle and is welcomed by the charming but eccentric Count, who, unbeknownst to Renfield, is. Dracula.
0: A vampire. He's a
2: vampire. Oh, Oh, he knows he's Dracula. He doesn't know he does He knows he's Dracula. Gotcha. They discuss Dracula's intention to lease the Carfax Abbey in London, which is essentially just a London castle. And now that is from the book. Okay.
0: That's what brought him there. That's right. That's what brought him there, the brought him there okay. from the
2: original story. Okay. Now there's certain things that in the book Renfield would encounter that he does not in the movie, before he goes back to London. Dracula hypnotizes Renfield into opening a window, and Renfield faints as a bat appears, and Dracula's three wives close in on him. Dracula waves them away, and then attacks Renfield himself.
0: Oh, he almost was saved, but then Dracula wanted him.
2: Yep. Renfield does survive, and Dracula departs for London. At a theater... Dracula meets Seward, and Seward introduces his daughter, Mina, and her fiancé, John Harker, and the family friend, Lucy Weston, who is definitely not just there to die. Oh, she was wearing a red shirt. Right, she was wearing a red shirt. Over the course of, but you can't tell because it's black and white. (laughs) That's true. Um, Over the course of the film, Renfield becomes obsessed with eating flies and spiders. and a professor van helsing analyzes renfield's blood and discovers his obsession he starts talking about vampires and that afternoon renfield begs seward to send him away claiming his nightly cries might disturb mina's dreams so dracula is going around london scaring people he attacks mina and hypnotizes her as well and she falls into a sleep. Van Helsing orders a nurse to take care of Mina while she sleeps. And not to remove a wreath of wolfsbane that he places around her neck.
0: Which means he's suspicious of something supernatural going on.
2: Oh, he's, at this point he's very suspicious. Okay. Um, because both Renfield and Mina were attacked by Dracula. And then show... The vampiric symptoms. Which
0: are liking spiders and flies. Right.
2: As Mina says, she loves nights and fogs. Okay. But Dracula hypnotizes the nurse into removing the wolf's bane from Mina's neck and opening up the windows. And Van Helsing and her fiancé, Harker, see Renfield, his first victim, headed for the abbey in which Dracula now dwells. They see Dracula with Mina in the abbey... Dracula thinks that Renfield has led them there as victims for him. Dracula eventually kills Renfield and is in turn hunted by Van Helsing and Harker, who know that he is forced to sleep in his coffin during daylight and the sun is rising fast. So Van Helsing prepares a wooden stake while Harker searches for Mina and Van Helsing impales Dracula through his heart, killing him, and as he does, Mina returns normal.
0: Oh. Okay. So it all works out in the end. So
2: it all works out in the (laughs) end. And that's the origin of
1: Van Helsing, right? Because Van Helsing has become a big, like, a focus
2: instead of the vampires, right? Van Van Helsing has its own own movie, And Van Helsing is from the original book. Yeah, interesting. But it's interesting because Van Helsing was, like, in subsequent media over the last couple of decades, Van Helsing has been portrayed as, like, a vampire hunter, this big, you know, like tough character. He was a professor-like character in the original, much more brains over brawn. Okay. Didn't have all these like elaborate vampire-killing weapons, but uh, and that's how in the Hammer horror movies with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, he was also much more of a outsmarting Dracula. I like of a character. Sherlock Holmes kind of. Spirit. Right. He was yeah. kind of. He figured things out yes. rather than just going in and being like, "Kill Dracula." Yeah. So, do you know if Bram Stoker wrote any sequels? Because there's been a lot of other, you sequels. know, stories about vampires and Dracula. Yeah. So, to my knowledge, he did not write sequels specifically to Dracula, because Dracula dies in the end. Of well, he was always dead, but
0: right. <laughs> he for he really is died. destroyed
2: at the end of Dracula. Yeah. Now, he did write a lot of other scary books but to my knowledge not another dracula book specifically is there
1: like a major
2: difference between the original
1: book and this movie
2: i would say that they and this could be a result of it being a stage performance first there are a number of characters that are missing and sort of scenes that are missing that Okay. They
1: have the whole whole
2: story is correct. Right. Like if you look at it at the highest level. Right. Right. The flow of where they go and how they get there is kind of correct. It flows in the right way. I would say it is a faithful adaptation of the book if you look at it.
1: My favorite adaptation, though, is the Bugs Bunny when he goes up against Dracula in... In yeah. the um, cartoon. That's my favorite. That's your, your favorite? One? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yes. And it also makes me think of um, sugary Count Dracula cereal. <laughs> of which, course it does. Which is a fall flavor. <laughs> it is a fall flavor. I don't
3: think it is. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it <laughs> I comes did, out at Halloween. It
2: is. Now, I did always find it interesting that Bram Stoker chose Transylvania as the location. Because if I feel like most of us know that Dracula was based off of Vlad the Impaler, right. who was from Wallachia, who okay. was an enti- which was an entirely different place from Transylvania.
0: Okay, so how far is that from, like... Isn't the Carpathian Mountains? There- They're there-
2: both Carpathian Mountains. Okay. But he chose one instead of the other. Maybe okay. to kind of separate it a little bit from... Right.
0: Interesting,
3: yeah. The last time I talked about Pumpkin Spice, which, if you remember, didn't really have a clear-cut history. It mm-hmm. kind of just... Was- but it's
2: still one of the most iconic... Fall flavors now, yes. if not, I'd say probably the most iconic fall flavor now.
3: Well, yeah, it's interesting. So, but it's made of various spices that are also like make it iconic, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. exactly. And probably have been the most iconic in history, right? You have nutmeg, a lot of times cloves, or allspice. All Cinnamon has a very straightforward history. Bottom line, everybody loved it from the beginning.
4: <laughs> yep.
3: yep. <laughs> um, like Egyptians. I found out apparently like would put cinnamon when they were embalming people sure. and Ooh, um, you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, at least it would help with the smell I'm right, pretty true. sure
2: Europeans set up entire <laughs> trade routes yeah just to get cinnamon, cinnamon yeah. Yeah. yes
3: you are correct true cinnamon dates back to Chinese writing to 2800 BC yep well that's old <laughs> yeah. yes and I mentioned the ancient Egyptians Italians had a word for it canela Meaning little tube, Canal. which is you know very literal. Literal, yes. Yeah, thank you.
1: Right, and, and cinnamon <laughs> is actually a plant, mm-hmm. right?
3: It was very popular um, in the first century. It was recorded that cinnamon at three hundred and fifty grams of cinnamon as being equal to the value to over five kilograms of silver, about fifteen times the value of silver per weight.
2: Wow. Right?
3: Yeah, so it was just very valuable. Yes, it was used in medieval times by physicians. To treat coughing, hoarseness, and sore throats.
2: Oh, well that's nice. I would rather, considering some of the remedies that medieval physicians had, giving me a little cinnamon seems like the best solution. (laughs) Yeah,
3: (laughs) yes. As a sign of remorse, Roman Emperor Nero ordered a year's supply of cinnamon be burned after the murder of his wife.
2: Oh, well, that just seems unnecessary. (laughs) He could have have remorsefully given that out to the people of Rome.
3: That's true. (laughs) In the 17th century, the Dutch seized the world's largest cinnamon supplier, the island of Ceylon, from the Portuguese, demanding outrageous quotas from the poor laboring caste there. When the Dutch learned of a source of cinnamon along the coast of India, they bribed and threatened the local king to destroy it all, thus preserving their monopoly On the prized spice. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, and
2: the cinnamon trade made the Dutch like just crazy wealthy. Oh,
3: yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a downfall to this cinnamon monopoly game. In 1833, other countries found that they could easily grow cinnamon in other areas. And cinnamon is also grown in South America, the West Indies, and other tropical climates. So they started growing their own and thus it's no longer under the dutch.
2: Right. Right. And Ceylon if you, for those of you who don't know is the island of Sri Lanka oh, okay. right yeah. to the south of India. Mm-hmm. So it's also a long way to travel to get back to Europe.
3: Oh yeah. 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 So it's very very popular. It's in many different types of foods, it's used for many different types of things. So I wondered, hmm, what should I start with talking about cinnamon? Well, when I think of cinnamon, I think of Thanksgiving, but I also think about the cinnamon roll.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I like where this is going. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you said there would be a treat at the end. So. <laughs> Taste
0: test. Yeah. So, cinnamon rolls
3: are a staple of the American pastry shop. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems as though you can walk into almost any bakery. Any day of the week and find the warm pastries oozing with icing or glazing.
2: It's almost criminal to not have cinnamon rolls in your pastry shop.
3: Yes. So, quick question for you all. Which country or countries contributed to the creation of the cinnamon roll? A, the French. B, the Dutch. C, the British. D, the Germans. E, the Swedish. Or F, all of the above.
1: I'm going with F.
3: I'm going German. We're gonna go with the British. Ugly. It is all of the above.
1: Yes, woohoo!
3: Yes, they all contributed in different ways. So, the cinnamon roll did not come about in one go, it came about over years from different countries.
2: All of them had the idea let's just stick this in our pastries. This well, is great stuff.
3: It developed over time. So, the French shaped them into buns, followed by the Dutch frying them in oil. The British invented the Chelsea bun, a type of currant bun. The Germans developed a bun rolled with sugar and currants, and this bun laid the groundwork for the Swedish to add cinnamon, creating the very first cinnamon rolls.
1: Way to go, European countries! Yeah, working together to make something great. Yeah, early United Nations. <laughs> <laughs>
3: right. So, because so many countries contributed to it, guess what day is known as the International Cinnamon Roll Day? October fourth. So it is today.
1: What? what October 4th today yeah. is Cinnamon Roll Day. I was Roll so happy.
3: Day. But why is and that? Inter- significant
0: Because it's international, not national. <gasps> oh, okay, gotcha. Right. Okay, yeah. that makes more sense. So,
3: in honor of International Cinnamon Roll Day, I have gotten some Yay. yummy treats <laughs> for everybody. Uh, this is going um, really f- well. <laughs>
2: right?
3: The first is from our very own Down Home Comfort Bakery in Front Royal. Which is handmade. With the, love. With love. Lots of love and pecans and glazing. All yeah. And then the second is Dunkin' Donuts coffee roll. Now, I did try to look up what the difference between coffee roll and cinnamon roll, and I could not really find a difference. So my guess is it's almost one and the same. Yeah. Just like, two different words for the same thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But my
2: favorite donut was always the coffee roll. Yes. So yeah. we
3: will be trying those. Um,
2: I would love to try those. Yes.
3: Yeah, so we'll do that next now, to each other and we'll then sit next to each other and see which one is we like best. Yes. Okay. Yes. We'll do that right now. To um, remember what cinnamon smells like, I'm going to pass around this cinnamon to smell. Oh, lovely.
2: Hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so cinnamony.
3: All right. So we have. Two different types of rolls. As I said, one is from Dunkin' Donuts. The other is from a homemade bakery. Um, The homemade bakery one, you guys can go ahead. It has pecans on it and is drizzled with this lovely glaze. It is very thick and very chewy.
0: Yummy.
1: Lots of layers.
0: Yes,
3: lots of layers and sticky.
0: Very ready and dense. Mm -hmm.
3: And then the um, Dunkin' Donuts is the classic glazed coffee roll that very light
0: donut-y yes mm-hmm. so which is your favorite if you had to choose one it's hard because they're two they're so different mm-hmm. one is literally a donut yeah with cinnamon on it that is delicious and light the other is very dense it is it's, it's dense but it's delicious yeah if i could only have one for the rest of my life i'd probably pick the coffee roll yeah, I would really? do the same. Yeah, I would okay. pick the cinnamon roll. But, okay, I really like this cinnamon roll. So why would you pick the cinnamon roll, Deb? Um,
1: I like the flavors more. I like the, the pecans with it. Mm-hmm. I like the layers. I mean, it's like having to pick between your kids. Like, who's your favorite kid? Really? But if you have to pick? <laughs> <laughs> um, Probably. But I, I definitely think, yeah, I would definitely pick the cinnamon roll. I just like the... The nuances to it more. Mm.
3: Gotcha. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head, Mom, where the coffee roll is very much like a donut. Right. It's, the yeah. other It's one easier is it's to the get roll. through. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's very light and mm. fluffy and has all those good donut qualities. It though.
1: does. It's very yummy.
0: So that's my the end of my um, cinnamon section. Thank
3: you all for um, participating in my taste. Hopefully
1: at home you've participated with some cinnamon rolls too.
3: hmm <laughs> And happy International Cinnamon Roll Day.
1: That's right. So, uh, our future festivities are for the week of October 19th. October 19th is Evaluate Your Life Day. October 20th, International Sloth Day. October 21st, International Nacho Day. October 22nd, National Nut Day. October 23rd, Mole Day. October 24th, United Nations Day. And October 25th, National Mother-in-Law Day. You can always follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at Holiday Underscore Moons. On Instagram, we are at Holiday Moons. On Facebook, you can find us by searching Holiday Moons in the search bar. We have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. And you can contact us at any time at HolidayMoons at gmail.com.
3: So for Beth,
1: Randy, Cole, and Sydney, Happy Halloween. Halloween!
4: ML95, BJX and DJ Technoid 2015.